Welcome to Catching Curveballs. I am Dr. Muji. And I'm Iyabade. Yes, listeners, things probably sound a little different. I think I'm probably the most bored, but both of us are a bit bored of our old intro. So we're switching it up today. We'll see how we like it. But as a bit of a reminder for anyone who's new here, just remember to rate, review, and tell everyone you know about the podcast. We can't say it enough. You never know who out there might be having a rough day and might just need something positive to listen to, even as background noise. So share it with everyone you know, and then give us feedback. Email us at catchingcurveballs at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram. Hi, mom. How are you? Hi, my daughter. Thank you so much for asking. I am doing very, very well. Today, I want to begin with some questions. First, do you know that many people around the world have lost their sense of smell this past year due to COVID-19? Do you know that our emotions and thoughts affect the way we perceive odor? and that our sense of smell affects our emotions and memories. Those are very important questions. And when I think about them myself, it's so much to think about in terms of one sense of smell and maybe how some of us might take our sense of smell for granted. But let me give us some background. Why are these questions of interest, at least to me, and I'm hoping that they will be of interest to our listeners. I heard that about a decade ago, a national poll of Americans found that more than half of young people said they would be willing to give up their sense of smell before they will give up their laptop or cell phone. And for me, it's like, wow. A sense of smell, give that up. Mm -mm -mm. Anyway, it's good for us to know that we can distinguish between loss of smell, which is anosmia, or changes in smell, which is referred to as parosmia, or a decrease in sensitivity, hyposmia. Come to think of it, losing my sense of smell totally, that would make me very sad, even if it's for a short time. Now, if it's in terms of changes in smell or maybe decrease in sensitivity, maybe I wouldn't even notice that there's a difference. My daughter, how important is your sense of smell to you? You're so cute, mom. I was laughing the entire time you were talking. And then you added in the poll and the results, and I feel the complete opposite to you because I have a terrible sense of smell. I can barely smell anything unless it's very pungent or the odor is very strong. Even when I'm with other people, I'm often reminded of this because they'll make a comment to the effect of, do you smell that? Or what's that smell? Or they'll try to pinpoint what type of cuisine is even around. And I'm sniffing, but not necessarily smelling what they're smelling, or at least not smelling it as well as they are. And even sometimes, this might be too much information, but my little brother, for example, will hand me something and tell me to smell it. He'll say, smell this. Does it smell like anything to you? And I always have to remind him that he's asking the wrong person. I won't smell anything unless it's absurdly offensive and odor. Or actually, the opposite end of the spectrum. I'm really sensitive to fragrances and perfumes. So I'm so hypersensitive to them that I really don't like being around strong perfumes, which 
maybe someone can explain that to me. That doesn't make sense now that I'm saying it out loud, but it really is the truth. I struggle to smell anything, but perfumes, they'll make me nauseous, give me a headache. So listeners, maybe you can solve that riddle for me. But going back to your poll, mom, why I mentioned I feel the complete opposite to you is that I would happily give up my sense of smell before giving up my laptop or cell phone. In fact, I want both my laptop and cell phone. So take another sense. I don't know what I'm willing to give up. Maybe touch, take one of them because I'm holding on to both of those devices. Well, not to worry. I'm sure you have other senses that are strong for other adaptive that maybe can even compensate for your loss. I wouldn't say loss because you said it isn't that it's loss, but that it's very minimal. So there will be other senses that compensate for the weakness, quote unquote, in terms of your sense of smell. Maybe. It's definitely not my sense of sight either. So... All right, moving on. Some may argue that today's topic is another sense. So great start to this episode, mom. What is intuition? Yes, some people consider our natural intuition to be a sixth sense. By intuition, we mean form of knowledge that appears in awareness without our thought. Uh, This knowledge can also be in the form of feelings. So you hear some folks talk about um, having gut feelings about something, about some people, about some circumstances. Intuition is a thing that you know or consider likely from instinctive feeling. It's an ability that generates ideas as we quickly consider past experiences and amass knowledge. It is also the ability to understand something immediately without the need for conscious reasoning. Some people would also say that intuition is a thinking style, you know, someone's style of thinking. And this could vary because specifically you might think of it as experiential style of thinking. So you see that some people who use intuitive style see things in an all-inclusive manner. Many a times, those individuals will also be unaware of their thinking patterns. Uh, They could also take into account not only facts, but as I mentioned before, context matters, feelings matter as well. In another sense, intuition also affects our behaviors, decisions, and even career choices. So that's why it's very important that we talk about what it is, and there's much more to say about that concept. Definitely. It's something that's worth exploring for sure. And for me, it feels as if the gut has really become the superstar of the body. Maybe it's just my perception and I'm on an island of one who believes this, but it truly seems to have become this point of focus. In school, I remember having so many lectures about the gut-brain axis. So listeners, as a bit of a biology refresher, our guts are lined with millions of nerve cells. It has its own nervous system. And so this gut-brain axis, this relationship between what our gut is telling us and how that's connected to our brain is something that I don't believe used to get the attention that it has been in recent years, or at least it doesn't feel that way to me. Um, Even when I hear people referencing our gut as our second brain, it shows that there's a lot more attention that's being paid to what our gut's actually driving. 
In more recent years, I know many people too have highlighted the gut microbiome, both in terms of the effects on our physical health, as well as mental health. And even as of a few days ago, the influence it can have on intuition. I don't have that article with me at this point in time, but I do remember running across this study that linked the gut microbiome on our level of intuition. Going back to the senses, I know that I mentioned I have a terrible sense of smell, and so I don't usually trust my sense of smell. I'm definitely taking extra sniffs, that's for sure. But I do feel as if I have an excellent sense of intuition. It's really easy for me to connect with my gut and to hear what it's telling me. I definitely trust that quote-unquote sense, even though I don't necessarily always listen to what my gut is telling me. I think part of why I don't always listen by default to what my gut is telling me is that I worry that it's being influenced by some sort of bias or even other factors that I'm not aware of that could be clouding my judgment in a particular way, potentially even one that's going to be harmful. It almost feels as if it's this quick mental shortcut versus an actual assessment of a person or of a situation. So mom, what are some signs that someone has good intuition? Let's say it's someone such as myself who claims to have excellent intuition. What are signs that I'm actually accurate? There are several signs that a person has good intuition, but we should not confuse intuition with cognitive biases. They are both unconscious processes. However, intuition is the ability to understand something instantly. Whereas cognitive bias is a strong preconceived notion about something or someone, and it usually involves a systematic error in our thinking. Some signs that you have good intuition will include being quick to pick up on emotion. And this varies from individual to individual. I mean, there are some of us that when you meet someone for the first time, we're able to sense whether the person at that particular point in time is um, sad or happy or has some things going on in terms of what they're thinking about. Maybe they don't seem to be present um, as you converse. Another sign of good intuition will be having good judgment of character. That's where first impression matters. They also have sudden realizations. This could be in terms of ideas, and some come up with solutions quickly. They're also deep thinkers, and they're able to come up with creative ideas. They also have vivid dreams. Intuition are bridges between the conscious and unconscious. Um, those who are intuitive seem to have experiences of what some will call deja vu regularly, as if they've experienced something currently in the past. They also have strong inner voice. They are the individuals who say they listen to their hearts. Well, at first I was a little worried because I wasn't necessarily following along with the signs of having good intuition. But then the deja vu, absolutely, I experienced that very frequently. And I definitely have a strong, powerful inner voice. I'm telling you, listeners, mom, you're looking at me as if you don't believe me, but I promise that inner voice is very strong for me. It's just a question of whether I actually listen to it and follow it. All right. Well, where does intuition come from? 
According to psychologists, as human beings, we match patterns. We engage in automatic processing of information. In fact, there's a word coined for that, highway hypnosis, in which we engage in rote activities. Highway hypnosis is such a fascinating concept, and I think everyone has likely experienced this to some degree, if not very often. I believe the origin describes the phenomenon where we'll be driving on the highway, for example, and miles and miles will pass or we'll arrive at our destination, yet we're unable to recall what's actually taken place leading up to that moment. We might have passed major markers or exits, and we just have no apparent awareness or ability to recall doing so. It's that loss almost of time in which we were almost under this hypnotic state. We were in this trance. So I don't know how I got here, mom, but the idea is very fascinating. And I can definitely see the potential connection to that gut feeling, that ability to engage in rote activities where we're not having to actively think. We're able to take on almost more of a passive passenger role within our existence. What about trusting our intuition? How much faith should we actually put in it? That's very important. How much should we trust our intuition? Uh, Generally speaking, our intuition or gut feelings are often correct, but more accurate in some situations than other situations. So again, depending on the individual, you'll notice that maybe in certain circumstances, your gut feeling is accurate in the end. uh, And then in some other areas or other situations, this might not be the case. Our intuition is more likely to be accurate when we have some experience regarding a particular situation, when we have some expertise, that is when we're expert in a particular area or related to expertise when we've engaged in relevant learning or training. Say, for instance, you're a very good soccer player. You've played for so many years. You've engaged in a lot of practice, a lot of training. Your intuition will be more accurate as to the direction you could shoot a penalty kick in order to score a goal. With expertise and experience, we're able to match stored information with some current information or current observations. So practice makes perfect, it seems, or at least it increases the likelihood. It almost reminds me of putting together a puzzle. In the beginning, when you're out of practice, or maybe you just don't have the history of putting puzzles together, but then a pandemic happens and you need more hobbies, so you take this on. But in the very beginning, it might be tough for you. You might only get as far as recognizing the potential corners and not necessarily have the gut feelings or the hunch as to where the next pieces will go. But then the more you practice and get a general sense of Maybe it's the color scheme or even um, ability to match what you're seeing as a trend relative to the picture on the box for the puzzle. All of a sudden, putting that together becomes a lot easier because your gut feelings, your hunches are a lot stronger. They're helping you put together this composite of what you've seen in the past with what those current cues around you are, with what those current remaining puzzle pieces are. Or even compare it to your first day of work. I can definitely attest to this one because compare where you were on that first day relative to where you were six months later or even years later. 
on day one, if someone asks you a question or even throws the unexpected your way, you likely would be stumbling to find a solution. Whereas by six months in or years in, you have your initial hunch. You have this starting point to use based on your experience at that particular job. It seems as if we all very much differ in how intuitive we are. I'll anecdotally hear reference of some people being highly intuitive or more attuned with their gut feelings. I guess I've not heard someone say they're poorly intuitive or they don't have strong intuition, but nevertheless, it seems as if we all differ in how intuitive we are. What makes some people more intuitive than others? We all are intuitive, even though some people are more than others. But in general, as human beings, for survival, we're all intuitive to some extent. It depends on our thinking style. As I had mentioned earlier, some people differ in the degree to which they rely on intentional reflection versus automatic knowledge. So there's some folks, some people that automatically know, they seem to just know how to do certain things vis-a-vis others who would take some time to intentionally reflect before maybe they give answers to a question or before they kick the soccer ball or whatever example you can come up with. People also differ on a specific aspect of intuitive ability. In that sense, I mean implicit learning. By implicit learning, I mean an individual's capacity to take in complex information without knowing that you have learned the information. That is such a good point to bring up the degree of comfort that people have in that intentional response or intentional reflection before answering or before moving forward versus others who seem a lot more comfortable applying automatic knowledge. I wish we had a bit more time today to actually relate this to personality because I'd be really curious to see how the ocean, the big five domains relate to that comfort level. I'd imagine there has to be some sort of relationship there. It just might be a discussion that takes far too long for the sake of how much time we've set aside for today. We have things to do. But something that I found really fun as we were getting ready to record this episode was this HuffPost article. I can't believe I'm actually citing the Huffington Post. So listeners, I'm not sure how credible this is, but just enjoy it along with me. They have an article titled 10 Things Highly Intuitive People Do Differently. According to this article, highly intuitive people listen to their inner voice versus dismissing it. They take the time for solitude so that time alone is something they carve out within their day. They create. Apparently, creative people are highly intuitive. They also practice mindfulness. Self-knowledge is something they prioritize, and so they engage in those activities, whether it's meditating, devoting some time to truly be mindful of the moment, they find a way to practice this. They observe everything. They pay attention. They notice what's taking place around them. They listen to their bodies. They connect deeply with others. They pay attention to their dreams. They enjoy plenty of downtime and they let go of negative emotions. HuffPost even cites a 2013 study that showed that being in a positive mood boosted the ability to make intuitive judgments. Once again, listeners, take that all as you will, but I did find that to be such a fun read. 
And so mom, in a similar vein, can you learn how to be more intuitive or even improve upon your intuition? It's possible to strengthen or even improve your intuition. Make use of feedback, feedback that you obtain based on observation, based on experience, based on your expertise. Compare real-life outcomes of situations with outcomes in which you used your intuition, but recognize that your intuition may be reliable in some kinds of situations, but not in others. I love both of those suggestions, but I have to admit that I'm very much drawn to the second one more than the first. No offense, mom. The second one being to actually pay attention to the outcomes of those times you followed your intuition. So those times where you went with your gut versus what your brain was telling you or what you had rationalized as the best decision, compare that and see what that looks like. Use those findings to help you. Maybe there were certain patterns where particular situations, maybe it's those that were more emotionally intense versus more detached interactions, or maybe it was those which concerned personal matters versus work or career. Maybe there's a trend here where in certain settings, it seems your intuition truly pays off far more than rationalized thinking. And be real with yourself. In those circumstances where your gut feelings have led you astray, make sure that you're being honest in your assessment and not attributing other potential factors to the end result. Maybe it's a case that in those circumstances, your gut feelings just can't be trusted. Remember that for the future. Because as much as we want to strengthen our intuition and really hone in on this quote-unquote sense, we also want it to serve us best. We don't want to have a clear pattern established that we just aren't listening to or paying attention to. We want to be realistic about how to actually apply our intuition. Okay, mom, we're ready for your quote for today. My quote is by Alan Klein. Your attitude is like a box of crayons that color your world. Constantly color your picture gray and your picture will always be bleak. Try adding some bright colors to the picture by including humor and your picture begins to lighten up. End of quote. Well, that's all for now. Thank you for spending time with us. Yes, we want to hear from you. Give us feedback on what you heard today and suggestions for topics you would like us to discuss in future episodes. You can email us at catchingcurveballs at gmail.com. That's catchingcurveballs, all one word, at gmail.com. Also, remember to follow us on Instagram for much more content at Catching Curveballs Podcast. That's Catching Curveballs Podcast. And as always, remember to rate, review, and tell everyone you know about the podcast. We cannot wait to connect with you soon.